everybody has a story. Now, everybody's story is interesting because some of them are not maybe what they appear to be. Maybe you're maybe you know somebody like this where on social media, I mean, it's the perfect mom. She packs all of the school lunches and has everybody's shoes neatly lined up by the door and the house is always spotless, ready for, you know, the president could come over and everything would be perfect. She wouldn't have to do anything to get ready. And has the perfect meals and has the perfect diet and all of these things and on social media Man, it all looks so good, but maybe you know them personally, and you're like, I know that they are falling apart. I know she's struggling. I know she's filled with worry or anxiety. Or maybe it's some guy who, he looks like he's got the perfect job. It's a powerful position, and he just is thrilled, and he loves what he does for a living, and, uh, or at least it appears that he does, but deep down you know like he hates the job, and his boss is a terror. But in, in, in the social media realm, everybody looks like they've got it together, but everybody has a story. And some people are worried about finances. Some people are worried about uh, a relationship status, or they're worried about whether they're going to make it through this uh, particular transition. Whatever the case may be, a lot of people are dealing with anxiety, which is what we've been talking about and what we're talking about in our current series on this podcast. And so just to be clear, what we're talking about, I looked up the word anxiety in the dictionary says this, distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear or danger or misfortune. That's distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. This is Grace Beyond Sunday. Let's talk about anxiety. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Matt McMorris, pastor of Grace Valley Church, where I've been teaching through the topic of anxiety, trying to be a help to people. If you would do me a favor, if this content is at all helpful to you, would you like or comment or subscribe or watch another episode? I've got several on anxiety. Anything like that helps the algorithm and allows us to be able to be a help to as many people as possible. Share it with somebody. Tell somebody, hey, you need to listen to this. You need to watch this. It'll be a help to you. Hopefully that will be the case, and I hope that it'll be an encouragement to you uh, as you continue to look at this series on anxiety. We're going to have about four or five episodes on the topic. These are sermons that I did that I'm condensing down a little bit into a podcast form so you can go back and review them in bite-sized chunks as well. So hopefully they'll be a help to you. So I want to define, we, we defined anxiety uh, in the introduction, but really I want to break it down a little bit further. Anxiety, I believe, is created kind of in the spaces between my expectations and my circumstances. Okay, there's a couple things I want to talk about, but, but first, between my expectations and my circumstances, I expect that I'm going to get the promotion, but it, the circumstances are that somebody else looks like maybe they're going to get it after all. I expect that we're going to get married, but we're having some troubles. Uh, we expect that we're going to be able to have children, but it hasn't happened just yet, and anxiety often exists in the spaces between our expectations and our circumstances. Another way to look at it is anxiety is, is often found in the spaces between what I anticipate and the unknown. What I anticipate and the unknown. In other words, I'm anticipating that this is going to happen, but I just don't know yet. It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet, uh, and I'm waiting for that to happen. Or, or however you might look at what we anticipate and what is unknown, right in there sometimes is where this anxiety exists. Now, uh, I've talked in, the, in a previous episode about kind of the medical side of things. So just as a quick refresher, I'm not saying that you should never seek medical help. I think there are times where that may be the case. You can reference a different podcast, uh, my, the, the, kind of the first episode in the series on anxiety uh, when it comes to that topic. I believe it was episode nine of the podcast. Um, so I'm not going to go back through that. What I want to do is I want to try to help you theologically and biblically deal with the anxiety that is able to be dealt with in that manner. I recently had a conversation with, with somebody, a very good, interesting, friendly conversation with a pastor of another church. 
Um, and we talked about what it means for us here at Grace Valley Church to be gospel-centered. In other words, our primary focus is on the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when, even when it comes to this idea of our anxiety or our worries, our fears, we really want to bring it down to a, a, a gospel mentality of looking at Jesus and looking at his word to understand it. I, I read a book uh, years ago, and I pulled a quote from it for this uh, for a particular episode, and the book is called The Cross-Centered Life, which is really kind of another way you could say the gospel-centered life, but he's talking specifically about the cross. And the author, C.J. Mahaney, says this. He says, we're all living lives centered on something, but is it the right thing? So think about this for a moment. What is the main thing in your life? Let me put it another way. What are you most passionate about? What do you think about when you can think about whatever you want? What do you love to talk about? I think it's an interesting quote, and especially the first sentence where he says, we're all living lives centered on something, but is it the right thing? I propose that one of the primary reasons uh, that our society is struggling more and more with anxiety is that we're focusing less and less on the gospel. We're focusing less and less on Jesus. And, and quite frankly, the further away our nation, our society, our culture gets from Jesus, the more anxiety seems to be on the rise and the more it seems to be increasing. And I think that's pretty significant. Mahaney also writes in the book, he says, only one thing can be of first importance to each of us. And only the gospel ought to be. Another writer, D.A. Carson, a theologian, said this. He wrote, I fear that the cross, without ever being disowned, is constantly in danger of being dismissed from the central place it must enjoy by relatively peripheral insights that take on far too much weight. Whenever the periphery is in danger of displacing the center, we are not far removed from idolatry. And what I want us to really drive in on is that if we're going to ever understand what it means to cope with our anxiety, it begins with an understanding of the gospel. And when I replace what Christ has done for me with maybe my job, my, my career, my finances, a person, a relationship, anything along those lines, we've placed that in a position of idolatry, and we've, re we've removed the gospel, and it's going to create anxiety. Now, there's three impacts of the gospel on our anxiety, and I want to talk through those for just a brief moment on this episode. First of all, the gospel affects our destination. So one area we can just kind of settle our anxiety is this. The gospel affects our destination. Let me explain. We are all born in sin. This is a theological podcast where we're going to talk about what the Bible teaches. And so what, what, what God's Word says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, is it says that everybody has sinned and everybody falls short of God's glory. In other words, you and I were all born in sin. And so because of that sin, we all fall short of God's glory. I love uh, archery. I used to shoot a bow a lot. I used to bow hunt. Um, and I remember one time I got a, a sight that was a, an adjustable sight. It was a single pin adjustable. In other words, instead of having multiple pins that helped you with different distances, you had one and you had to kind of adjust it based on how far your target was. Well, I remember one day when I was practicing, I moved my target from 20 yards away to 40 yards away, but I didn't adjust my sight. So guess what happened? When I shot that arrow, it left my bow and it went about 20 yards and then dropped. And it went right in the dirt about 15 to 20 yards in front of my target because it wasn't able to get there. It fell short. And no matter how good of a person you might be, or no matter how good of a person your friend or your cousin or your aunt or your uncle or your grandpa was, nobody is able to attain God's glory 
on their own because we're all born in sin. And our sin then condemns us to hell automatically. The Romans chapter 6, 23, for the wages or the penalty of sin is death or separation from God for all of eternity. But then 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, verse 5 through 10 also talk about this condemnation to hell. So we understand that we're born in sin, that our sin condemns us automatically to hell. But then the other thing we have to realize when we study this idea of the gospel affecting our destination is that Jesus came to save us from our sins. And this is the gospel, or that's a fancy word maybe for just the good news. If you continue Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the good news is that even though we deserve to spend eternity apart from God, we don't have to because of Christ Jesus our Lord. And what did he do? Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross, and he suffered the penalty of sin that we deserved to pay. We were the ones that were enemies of God. We were the ones that deserved God's wrath and judgment, but Jesus took on God's wrath and judgment on our behalf. Only when we understand God's wrath towards sin can we realize that we need to be saved from it? Only when we hear the very bad news that we're deserving of judgment can we appreciate the very good news that God has provided salvation through His Son. Here's the reality. You're a sinner. Plain and simple. It's just, I, I, and I know it might sound like, well, that's kind of bad news. That sounds like a bit of a bummer. I don't want to think of myself as a sinner. But it's just true. You and I are sinners. The other reality is that God's wrath must be poured out for our sins. You see, God's wrath, though, was satisfied in Christ. This is the gospel. God's wrath is satisfied in Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, if you continue reading, by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. In other words, for those who have placed their faith in Christ, our soul's shipping address changes from hell to heaven. Our destination can change. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you're saved by grace through faith. And when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, our soul's destination is no longer a lake of fire, but an eternity with God in heaven. And so one aspect of our anxiety that could take over might just be this idea of someday this is all going to end, and it can be a little bit easier to handle knowing that someday we get to spend eternity in, in glorified bodies with God himself. So that alone removes a certain level of anxiety that we know no matter what we face on this earth, our eternal destination is secure, but this is only available for those who know Christ. And can I just say this? If you hear this and you're like, oh, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know that I fully understand whether or not I'll spend eternity in, in heaven with God or what it means to be saved or what the gospel really is, can I just tell you this? Contact me. Reach out. I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to be able to help you understand what it means to know Christ as your personal Savior. So the first thing we see is the gospel affects our destination. But another thing I want you to see is the fact that the gospel affects our identification. Now, this starts to get even a little bit broad or a little more deep-dived into uh, that. Man, I just can't say that. We're diving a little deeper into this. So on the broader spectrum, we know that our destination is okay. It's secure if we know Jesus Christ. And so the gospel helps us with anxiety about the future but let's get a little more hands-on. Like, what about, what about today? Well, the gospel affects our identification. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, most people are seeking identity in something other than Jesus Christ. And that is part of the big problem we have in our society, in our culture today. Uh, a friend of mine, Carrie Schmidt, wrote a book entitled Stop Trying. And uh, he, says, he says a lot about identity in there. And one of the things he says is that we often find our identity in fragile things. He writes, we need to lose or at least reorder the fragile things that define us, both successes and failures. Thankfully, loss is not final or ultimate if Jesus is authoring it. It's merely the first step in a beautiful process of being made new. And then a couple pages later, he writes this, the inerrant problem is this. We look to temporary things to give us permanent solutions. We look to others to accept us. We look to our abilities to validate us. We look to our material possessions to secure us. And we look to our personal desires or dreams to give us significance or purpose. All of these sources are breakable or changeable. People change their opinions, fail us, or abandon us, or ultimately pass away. Abilities, he continues, wane, or opportunities to use them are lost along with emotions or illness. Desires are fickle and can change or mislead us. You see, we spend time, energy, resources pursuing um, our identities in relationships or in financial security or in the next promotion or in some gender ideology or some sexual preference. Like we're, We as a society and as a culture, we're looking for some form of identity. And every one of these things is fleeting and every one of these things is changing. But when our identity is rooted in the person of Jesus, it's rooted in something or, or someone really that is unshakable someone that is unmovable. Therefore, having our minds centered on the gospel reminds us that because of Christ, we have been purchased with his blood, and we've been adopted into his family. We have a new identity. That identity is that we become sons and daughters of God. What a beautiful thing. Like, we're no longer trying to figure out where do we belong? Who do we fit in with? We belong in the family of God because we've become, when we place our faith in Christ through the gospel, we become adopted children of God. So we see the gospel affects our destination. We see that the gospel affects our identification. But the third thing is that the gospel affects our sanctification. Uh, I, I heard someone say one time, our greatest problems are never around us. They are in us. Our greatest problems are never around us, they're in us. So let's look at this idea of the gospel affecting our sanctification or us becoming more like Jesus Christ. This idea that our greatest problems are, around, are not around us, they're in us, is so true for Christians. You see, we look at our circumstances or the unknown, and we have anxiety, but it's what's in us that is creating the issues. Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 reads like this, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. James agrees when he says in, in chapter 4, verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war 
within you. I read a book years ago by uh, uh, my brother's father-in-law, so my sister-in-law's dad, uh, Dr. Jim Berg, and he writes in his book, Change Into His Image, he says this, Our Lord did not come to this planet, live a perfect life, and become a worthy atonement for the sins of the world so that those who become his children can merely be well-adjusted, live morally upright lives, and enjoy personal happiness and success. He died to redeem us from the penalty and power of a sinful heart that keeps us from being useful servants of the living God. The gospel means that the Spirit of God now indwells us. And with that power comes the ability to be changed into the image of the Son of God. You see, even the bad things that happen, and this will be in another episode, but even the bad things that happen to us are designed to change us into the image of Jesus Christ. We read that in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, in the last uh, session in this series that we'll discuss. And so our sin creates anxiety, and what, and, and, and what happens on the inside is creating anxiety. And when we can live a more sanctified life, our anxiety will lessen. One of the reasons we deal with anxiety is because we are a sinful, fallen people. So that's why we must have a gospel-centered mindset when it comes to anxiety. Now, as we, as we move forward, we're going to get even more, cra- more practical, but it begins with this concept that a healthy and biblical view of the gospel will make all the difference in the world when we're talking about anxiety and how to deal with it. When I'm settled on my destination, when I'm settled on my identification, when I'm settled on my sanctification— it removes that gap between my expectations or my anticipation and the unknown or, or my circumstances because I'm already secure. So if I'm expecting this to happen but my circumstances are something different, I already know where I'm going when I die. I already know whose I am and who I belong to. And I already know that those things that might stir up in me, I have because of the gospel, the ability to become sanctified and to give those to Jesus our expectation and our circumstances, the anticipation and the unknown no longer have to create anxiety. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You see, Jesus has a plan for you. He has something that you are designed for. And so by living in that gospel-centered mentality of knowing that God has created you with a purpose and with a plan, it, it opens you up to far more hope about the difficult circumstances that you're going, to, going through because the gospel gives you a purpose. It gives you meaning. It gives you hope and security in your future, in your destination, in your identity, and in your sanctification. So if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, can I just tell you, you're going to struggle with anxiety, and it's going to be difficult. It just is, because the gospel is designed to help you with your security in whose you are, and who you are, and how to handle that anxiety. So there is hope in anxiety, and that hope is found primarily in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So hopefully this is an episode that helps you. Again, if you would like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review, all of those kind of things, very, very helpful, and I would really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the next episode where we'll continue our series on the topic of anxiety. 